Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Forbidden Door Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplin and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to this weekend's Forbidden Door pay-per-view. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AW Dynamite, but also AW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, pay-per-views, premium live events, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to this weekend's Forbidden Door pay-per-view, which myself and Hamlet will be doing the live stream for on Sunday night on our YouTube channel. But Sidge, how are you feeling now following Dynamite ahead of Forbidden Door? I think I've arrived at my uh, conflicted feelings on this show. Ultimately, I'm looking at this card. I'm thinking that some of these matches are going to be incredible. I'm understanding of the fact that an injury crisis has plagued AEW and that there are certain political considerations and sequel events which make the idea of doing like eight absolutely incredible singles matches that you've all dreamed about for years just untenable and unrealistic. At the same time, there's not a single match on this card when the the possibility materialized of it happening where I'm going to feel oh my God, Mm. I can't believe I'm actually finally getting to see this match. This is amazing. Like, when the partnership was struck and he thought, when the pandemic dies down a little bit, they're definitely going to do a cool promoter show Mm -hmm. and it's going to be amazing. Did you think, oh my God, God, I cannot wait for Kazuchika Okada versus Hangman Page versus JY versus Adam Cole. Not (laughs) is, don't lie to me. You can be more optimistic about it than me. You can say that, oh, you're complaining about a show that's probably guaranteed to be an 8.5 out of 10 and not a 10. You can say all of that. You cannot lie to me and say, oh, my God, (laughs) I finally, finally, finally get to see FTR versus Rapongi Vice versus The Great Okada (laughs) and Jeff Cobb. You just can't. You absolutely can't. Uh, Punk Tanahashi would have been up there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Danielson ZSJ certainly. Like Come they, on, AW, please invent a tertiary singles title that one Japanese wrestler can fight for, please. <laughs> that, that technically is not allowed to contend for because <laughs> mm-hmm. he yeah. lives in the Pacific region. Like, just there's not a single match that gives me the feeling that I wanted to feel in their defense. They were going to do Danielson ZSJ, mm-hmm. which was going to give you that feeling. But if they had done three or four and one of them had to get scrapped, you'd still have two or three. Mm. Yeah, don't really disagree with any of that. It's My excitement, truthfully, for the show itself is rooted in that idea of, well, it'll be a good show. Like, the, there'll be something on the night that will massively over-deliver. But these are the parameters like with which I approach a WB Premium Live event. They tend to be pretty good shows, too. There's always, not always, there's often at least one match that, like, bangs on the night and makes the show enjoyable. These should bang more. There's more matches that offer the potential to be absolutely class. But the excitement level doesn't differ that much. AEW pay-per-view weekends, and you know when you're in it. And I remember saying this at the time on podcasts quite a lot. It was really difficult to articulate to people that 
you must, you absolutely must savor every minute of being in a Booker's Golden Era because never in history has one not ended ever. So you really have to soak it up. And as well as the whether it was the weekly dynamites during the pandemic, where the television was genuinely good, never mind just good for a pandemic, it was often genuinely yeah, yeah, entertaining yeah. and a proper escape. Thing that wrestling is fundamentally supposed to and be needed most. it, yeah. Like you would like cling on for a Wednesday because dynamite was often that good. Um, that even that didn't compare to the feeling of um, an AW pay per view week or a weekend where you'd finally like locked in to the hype. It wasn't about like what they were doing; it was about your own personal hype. And it was on a Saturday. Well, and you know, like, Sundays are better. Yeah, Sundays work better for me. But like either way, the run up is just. It's absolutely thrilling. Whatever happens on the go-home almost doesn't matter because you're already ready. And yeah. the, it's different with WWE when they used to still be good because it was on a Monday and then you had the role the rest of the week afterwards. With AEW, your hype pretty much starts on that Monday and then you happen to have another wrestling show in the middle. Yeah. Like, lately, you've been kind of looking for that last dynamite to get you there rather than just having it already. And it was the case with Double or Nothing, and it feels the case now, and it's less than ideal than having them so close together. Like, there's now quite a stretch to full gear, uh, to all out, and you would hope that by then they've reset enough that that hype is back. And they might have six new titles to contend for. <laughs> um, uh, uh, ten matches on this card, including the uh, the buy-in kickoff pre-show match as well. Pro- much more preferable compared to Double or Nothing, in my opinion. You say that, but there's going to be 11. Oh, what? Um... I haven't been made aware of the match, but someone talked around it on Twitter saying that, ooh, cool, I've just noticed um, a spoiler about a fun tag match that's been made for Forbidden Door on Rampage. So there'll be 11. 11 matches on the cards. I've just been speculating on what that might be. I won't say, like, is it going to be Hookhausen? No, because Hook's in a single doing the singles match on Rampage. So That's his little thing for Forbidden Door. Okay. I hope Tetsuya Naito is involved. Oh, please. Um, Naito and Sonata in LIJ versus, like, a tag team in AEW. It just made me think as well. The guy's been so critical of Forbidden Door. Evil didn't make the card. Let's start off on the kickoff. Uh, Max Caster and Gun Club. Billy Gunn and his two sons versus, I'm going to butcher this, Sage, so please do correct me if I get it wrong, Yuya Yamura. Yamura. Alex Coughlin, the DKC, who's facing uh, a hook, of course, on uh, on Rampage this week, and Kevin Knight. I don't really know a lot about that team, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, where's Ren Narita? Yeah. I love Ren Narita. A great, a bit of a breakout star from that cool um, triangular G1 series that they did. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, 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 lions yeah, yeah. Where you just had the same three like young lions in a thing before G one. Not two. This is the now. Let's move on. Not a fairly straightforward win for Castor and the Gun Club, or I don't know. I'm, I only know one half of this. This. Yeah, if you look at the um, respective alignments where each group is in the organization, the respective organizations, I would put Gun Club and Castor just above. They're mm. both like they're, they're both prelim acts, but. It's not a bit of a Survivor Series thing where you've kind of got to level your wins out based on... Obviously, on Survivor Series, it's like, oh, so you want the main event to be a bit of a decider. Here is it, like, politically. And Tony Khan thinking he's getting away with one. You know what? I'm going to let you beat the gun club. Watch them tonight and Dynamite. See how over they are. See how <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let you get this win. Hey, maybe. Because he wants a couple elsewhere on the card. You remember Max Caster. He was on Rampage for 30 seconds last <laughs> week. Uh, I don't know where to start with this main card. Um, let's start with... The sex gods. Uh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara and Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, that's right. in order. I'm including... Yeah, but I don't want to start with Moxley and Tanahashi. I want to save that for later because then we're going to get the mid-roll. Descending? But if we do the other way, then I'm going to start with the Brian Danielson stuff and I want to save that for a little bit later on. Okay. So I've just, just, just got in the middle. That's so, great. That's going to... Well, isn't it? Yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll straighten this out afterwards. I've gone with the sex gods now, and yeah, yeah, you're right. I've included Minoru Suzuki as one of the sex gods. Yes, have you uh, seen him when he was younger? I mean, yeah, I mean, mean, yeah. yeah, I mean he's he still got like an animal aura about him now. <laughs> yes, but when he was younger, he was an actual sort of GQ looking guy. Um, uh, versus the sex gods versus Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Utah, and oh god, my notes have. I've lost the the third member of this team. Have you any idea? I think he's related. I think he knows Moxley quite well. Any idea the third member of the team is Shooter? Shooter! Cold Death Stare from the Shooter. Uh, how do you see this one going, Sage? Um, right, 
The problem, and we are still very enthusiastic about AEW, despite some people on Twitter. Call it as we see it. Yeah. Someone told me to touch grass today. No. But they also said, right, find an intimate companion and touch grass. Which, (laughs) for an insufferable reply guy... That's a nice alternative to get some bitches. Yeah. I was, oh, was going to say get in or signing bitches. Signing bitches. Sign a bitch. Like, get a companion is a step in the right direction. <laughs> from sign a bitch, isn't it? So despite the protests from Twitter, we are very excited mm-hmm. about certain elements of this show. And you'll forgive me, mega fans, for repeating my take about why I'm so excited about this, right? They are going to do an amazing entrance bit. and I don't know if they're going to do it as a game of one-upmanship or just... Oh my god, this is the best karaoke of all time. Judas, followed by Kazi Nina Rare, is going to be just a sensational one to party atmosphere for th- that very reason. Maybe I shouldn't have buried you for starting with this, because I feel like this should be the opener. Like, right, okay, here we go. Here's the main card. Have a f- karaoke. Have a concert and yeah. anth- as anthems play. And here's like a really cool match that will get the best out of everyone. And it's a traditional New Japan thing to get a multi-man tag um, first on the card, which is a nice concession to them, considering it's all been very skewed towards AEW. So you're going to... Kazi, Nina, Air, Judas, um, or the other way around, preferably. It'll be really, really cool. Um, Eddie Kingston's over as hell. He's great at AEW pay-per-view openers. And the match should be great. It's going to be 12 minutes, I would say. Um, you're going to get Yuta. Uh, is it Yuta, Kingston, and Umino? Yes. Yeah. Yuta yeah. and Guevara are going to do some awesome stuff, and they're going to build towards um, Suzuki and Kingston doing stuff, which should be great. They had that really sort of fun, but oh, I'm a bit over four hours of Arthur Ashe at this point, uh, match on Rampage, um, which kind of no kind of undermine the lights out step but the little glimpses you've got of them working with each other were as great as you'd expect um a, a lot of people because suzuki's so beloved have speculated that suzuki and jericho are going to sort of rub each other the wrong way in the course of mm. the match and that they're going to sort of that might inform the finish so for that reason one it's going to start at open i think two suzuki could turn on jericho and it will be really funny i think a shoving match between them two um, Jericho caught unawares by the Hurricane, and that's how he set up Blood and Guts. Yeah. You know what? They haven't done the coin toss for Blood and Guts. How's that going to work? They didn't do any of that on TV. Oh, I forgot about that bit of it. Uh, Road to Rampage, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or they could just do it before the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just an yeah, incidental point. point. Yeah, I can't see this going... Too differently, really. I've, I've, I've seen the Jericho Suzuki thing, and I like it. You just visualize it, can't you? You can see a Jericho show loads of ass and make it funny. With nothing to add on the match, can we talk? Because I don't know where else it would fit in, other than maybe on the buy-in, about the aesthetics here. I want a blue canvas, even if it means having DraftKings sponsor. Because you can make the DraftKings sponsor look like a New Japan sponsor on the blue canvas. I want two posts to have the AW turnbuckles, and I want two posts to have the New Japan boxing-style mm-hmm. drops. Uh, the set... It's already got two tunnels. But this That's what's so perfect about it. Yeah, it's got two tunnels, but this is a time where, uh, and you know, WWE did this right, didn't they, with a big Y-shaped invasion ramp where you had the two platforms coming out. Like, there is a chance for, I know, like, that this is a bit of a, a boring complaint at this point, AEW not really dressing their pay-per-views up that much. There is a chance to do so much for this show by getting the aesthetics right. Mm. Um, and I say that as somebody that went, like, absolutely banana for the first in your house. Because I was just want, I just wanted something nice to look at, and they got that bang right. Like this could be fantastic if it is a a blending together. If it, again is rooted in the handshake that started all this, if it is a blending together of the two styles, this could be such a great show to look at, regardless mm. of the matches taking place. Even if it's not too dissimilar to the usual every show setup, like having the AEW logo on top of one tunnel and the New Japan logo on top of the other, that could still look cool, provided it's a massive physical like thing mm. not like a screen with the logo above it like i want to see a proper like built logo and just slap it across i love that tunnel. yeah just reminding me of when was it lance archer when they were like you remember when we always have the young lions around the ring in aw <laughs> that <laughs> one week yeah it was ridiculous 
ridiculous. It was so <laughs> contrived. So you can get away with that kind of contrived if it's just silly enough to work, but not in the lights out. No, absolutely not. Um, right, let's let's talk about because we're sort of treading on our own toes here because we're going to do a sort of an extended podcast tomorrow, filmed on our YouTube channel, but it's also going to be released as an audio podcast as well, where we go into detail of all the potential replacements for Brian Danielson. Uh, not only for, for this, but obviously for Blood and Guts as well. Zack Sabre Jr. is awaiting whoever that is at Forbidden Door. Who do you think it's going to be briefly here, Hamlet? Claudio uh, Cesaro. It's, it fits the brief of the technical wrestler, of the guy that can get down in the muck in um, Blood and Guts. Like Already you can think about how cool the big swing will look as blood flies off his opponent's head as he's swinging in the cage, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and also there's a nice, cute... Hatred, worked hatred between uh, Cesaro and Eddie Kingston, mm. and he slots in perfectly there because they never, they've not had the chance to address Brian and Kingston's own tension. Mm. So uh, Brian thinking he's kind of solved the problem with Cesaro, Kingston be like, "Are you kidding me?" Like it, it was just gone from bad to worse <laughs> yeah. for Kingston as well. So on the night that's going to stress him out in blood and guts, so if you can trust him, mm. he kind of can. So that's going to be like there's nothing quite like bros being dudes like in the clinch <laughs> in wrestling when they kind of come together. I said that about like Wardlow and Punk. And uh, it just feels there are definitely options, and like it's going to be fun to like look through the other possibilities. But I think he's the front runner and the favourite for a very good reason. Is he technically good enough to go against Zack Junior? <laughs> I think he can hang. I think I think he can hang. And I know you're joking, but there might be people who are unfamiliar with Cloud Hughes, <laughs> ROH worker, might have only seen Cesaro as like a hybrid guy mm. um, in WWE, who's more who's as sort of renowned for strength and his ability to do spectacular hot tag John Silver-esque sprints, or I think John Silver's a Cesaro-esque sprints. Mm-hmm. But technically, you haven't if you haven't seen Claudio's stuff in ROH, it feels weird calling him Claudio because me, Hamlet, and Murray have got this thing where, like, if you do it, don't be offended. But we've got this thing where we kind of think it's funny when there's someone in the WWE system who had a previous name in the indies and people call them by their indie names. Can you remember the original one of these? It's so great it Moxley. Moxley. Like we used to, because people you still used to call him, uh, I don't want to see Moxley working with Rollins anymore. And it just, that's weird. Yeah, it's Ambrose, like Ambrose and Rollins was like, so different from Moxley. And then Moxley came back and it was the best thing ever. And yeah, all those fans Ambrose anymore. Like that. <laughs> um, I am going to reserve my pick. Oh, for the next podcast. <gasps> now, that is a tease. Well, it's the same one, but I've got three that are very, very viable, and I'll give you um, reasons mm. for each of them. But Hamlet, I arrived at that independently. It's such a, it's it, in every single way, particularly given the Kingston stuff, the Cesaro thing would be the most inspired substitution. We're ever. all keeping Big Show in our pocket. So <laughs> for the next podcast. I've got another one that could be. Not so good, Al. <laughs> you got that tomorrow. Okay. Yep. Let's move to the eight-man then. Instead, uh, Young Bucks and Bullet Club. That's Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, El Fantasma, and Hikileo uh, versus... I can't believe I'm saying the dudes with attitude. I, I love this. So, um, for anybody that doesn't know, a bit of dudes with attitude's law for you. I know that, like, and I'm sure there's some people listening to this, and my voice expects me to say, how dare they take Sean and, like, Diesel's name. Independently... Two separate, like, super babyface groups that have arrived at Dudes with Attitudes. Because that was Sting's friends when he fought Rick. Flair had the horseman. And Sting got this right ragtag bunch of losers. I think, like, Jim, uh, Junkyard Dog, and Paul Orndorff, maybe a few guys. No, two like, of the biggest wrestling stars of the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, but this is, yeah, but it's 1990. I know, I know, I know, I know, but come Junkyard, on. Junkyard Dog was massive. Anyway, like, <laughs> so they, they weren't, they might have had yeah, attitudes, yeah, yeah. but they weren't dudes by then. They were not dudes. They weren't guys <laughs> just being dudes. No. So yeah, that's where it's rooted in with Sting, and it's it's funny that like Darby Allen is a is a dude with attitude and all that. This match cannot fail. It absolutely cannot fail. In the same way that Sajuka said, forever you put the Young Bucks in a TV multi man match, and that will at least survive on the strength of the Young Bucks' ability to arrange these matches. You've also got if you mix in, and I think it's reasonable to expect this. If you mix in the just the joy, the unfiltered joy of when Punk got the paint on, and they did the six man where they were all stingers for the night. Uh, it, the actual genuine buzz of what a show like this is supposed to exist for, which is either people coming together as opponents that you never thought possible or people on the same side that just you wouldn't have imagined. We all probably could have come up with different matches, better matches maybe for Shingo and Hiromu, realistically. 
one of them are on the same team, like Hiromu Darby Allen, has been so that was mine. It makes total sense, no you know. But this this simply cannot fail. Uh, the Young Bucks. What if you look back through like all the sort of Young Bucks stuff that has been revisited as a result of their AEW run, and they've invited you to go and look back. You know, as Cedric has highlighted the examples on so many podcasts, invited you to go back and look at this. PWG match or to go and look back at when they did this in Ring of Honor. One of the few areas that they've not explored is New Japan Bullet Club dickheads. They were so <laughs> great as like it was almost cheap heat, like incredibly skillful. It was so like, obnoxious. The best worked cheap heat you have ever seen, right? Because they're the young books. They can't not be class, but it's still really good cheap heat. And it just they found a sweet like the bullet club the original bullet club could have been a bit too much in the way of what became one of Gato's crutches, couldn't it? Americanized heel stuff. The Young Bucks just perfected it from an in-ring point of view as well. I'm so excited to see that in this in this like AEW version of them as AEW Tag Team Champions. I expect the Babyfaces to win. I expect this kind of makeshift Bullet Club group to kind of come apart at the scenes as a result. They might not even need to express that. Just, heels, just, heels just eat a bit, and it's just a total blast. They are 1 million percent, and I know Hamlet's selling this on the podcast, but they're going to wear the Bullet Club gear like the black, with those are like purple and yellow yeah. adornments on the gear. They're going to go for that. Just on how obnoxious they were in New Japan. Oh, my God. Nick Jackson would do some, like, crazed move to the outside, locate the nearest ringside camera, because you'll have to work to a hard camera because it's a stupid way of doing things, and just go, I'm the best! <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best! And it was just absolutely sensational. No, I'm in love with this match. Um... Shingo should be in a singles match, absolutely. So it's a little bit bittersweet in that regard. But like, part of the problem with an absolutely lackluster build is that you get relief when you realise Shingo's actually on the card. Uh, so that's really good. I just can't wait for this. I really can't wait for it. If you look at this card, and I know we're down on the storylines, but this is like NXT takeover towards the death rules of Jason. So like, build's a bit rubbish, but like, oh my god, there are potentially. Like seven matches that could clear the mm. four star and go into the four and a half star. Like this could be like four and three quarter stars yeah. on the basis of what Nick Jackson's going to do with Darby Allen, with what Nick Jackson's going to do with Hiromu Takahashi. Like what's he going to do with Sting? That bloke shocks me every time he gets between the ropes. Hiromu Takahashi and Sting in the same orbit is what Forbidden Door exists for, and there should be more of that feeling. Get him in the paint, you know the whole like Sting kind of looking Hiromu up and down a bit. Well, I've been kind of weird too, so like having Daryl and maybe giving him a look at me, like all right, that's your thing, and I'm non-judgmental, so you know, Daryl can come out, and then Sting. Daryl, the people who are unaware, um, Hiromu Takahashi's toy cat, stuffed cat, I love it, yeah. Take this seriously. <laughs> One of the stars of WCPW, I remember, don't worry. And then Stink go, I've got an animal too, and bring out the crow. <laughs> <laughs> the crow flies off with it. And it's yeah, the crow, if they, your physical impossible booking, if they can do this Train like... Train a crow. Do this shot of her own going, oh, mate. Uh. And like, well, how can it all coexist now? <laughs> like, I know it's going to be fun. I, know. I forgot they were on the same team. <laughs> and I know I'm missing the point here where the whole idea is like they're going to do some absolutely insane stuff with Takahashi and Darby maybe at the same time and Nick Jackson's probably going to get badly hurt in this you know, match Jim Ross hates when they all there what does he say like get like called together like cordwood or something uh, no, they, uh, oh he's going to ruin it like quails like quails that was it like Shingo could just throw Darby you know Darby's yeah. awesome dive Shingo could lob him like onto the, all <laughs> the bodies the gathered bodies you just ruined it for me because in an absolute bizarre composite experience of your entire fandom. There's the Stinger, you loved him as a kid, and then there's Hiromu who frightened you even as the <laughs> husk of an adult you were, and they're all doing absolutely crazy moves, and they're going to do so many great moves where Hiromu and Darby do stuff at the same time, and Nick Jackson's going to die, and um, Sting's going to do something off the top rope that, because they've built the pop, that his stuff's not going to be as spectacular um, but it's still going to be so much more fun or He's in fun. his 60s. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I think I'm going to put my money on Sting's going to hit the Meltzer driver. <laughs> like he's going to do the bit on the road. <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh, no. you're going to get Jim Ross going, I was even going to have a ref. And you just... <laughs> going to get the winner show of the purse any quicker. He should replace Jim Ross. I was going to say, he's Kevin Kelly. I don't know. The should. That would be great. He should feature, yeah. Yeah, the should. I would have Shivani, Kevin Kelly, and Excalibur if that was going to be my team. I tell you, Basically, just get rid of Jim Ross. And <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's one thing that's changed there. His commentary's not for everybody, but like Chris Charlton would sort of be ideal for the show. 
He's They've got no interest in any exposition, even by yeah, my stand. Right, even yeah. by my standards, I'm thinking. Kevin oh, Kelly yeah. can offer enough, can't he? I'm yeah. still thinking like a little bit of exposition, but they just don't go for it in AEW, even if they need a tiny amount. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is that as fun as it's going to be, Sting, Jingo, what? Like, there's still going to be sequences in this match, particularly between Nick Jackson and Darby Allen. That could be like, oh my god, like six star. Two minute long sequences within like a four star fun match. Yeah, I've got to ask you in the last match as well. Who who wins this? So Kingston et al win the first match. Mm-hmm. Then Suzuki and Jericho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I meant the, the Claudio Zach match. Ah, oh, um, the the debuting guy goes over. Yeah, has to be. So. Has to be. In this one, it's almost too fun for the baby faces to lose. Mm. So I'm going for a babyface clean sweep here. Yeah, I think the babyface is win this. Sorry, I just I was thinking for a second where like, a surprise guy has to go over, and then I remember that like Johnny Johnny Elite Sweden, Johnny Elite was a, well, was a Johnny Forbidden <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Elite Big Demo and W, w Morrissey all losers. Yeah, and the loss in the match as well. <laughs> <laughs> he could be uh, he could be uh, Brian's guy, couldn't he? Like uh, he's a big man. I think you know the guy. Like my former rival, <laughs> big big ass. Big ass. <laughs> Um, I was just thinking there as you were talking, what you know, like the whole. Oh, if you had a time machine, I'd go back and give myself a fucking what, sports annual. What or would it sound like? But I was gonna imagine getting the time machine, going back to 2019, and go right. Worldwide, I've got some bad news. That's <laughs> trick. But um, you know, AW's just started. It's, it's still going. I'm from 2022. It's still going. Um, also, good news, bad news. They're doing a crossover event with, with AW with uh, New Japan. I'm like, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Two things. Um, good news. Um, 2022 AW does have CM Punk and Brian Danielson in it. What? They're going to miss the event. Oh, but don't worry. Sting will be in it. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just preposterous, isn't it? Uh, you're going for uh, Babyface Team yep. as well? Yeah. Yep. Uh, who are you going for to leave as AEW Women's World Champion? Tony Storm challenging Thunder Rosa. Tony Storm. Uh, I don't necessarily think that... The Thunder Rosa reign has not been bad for any particular fault of hers. It's the AEW women's division problem that has now been superimposed on the champion because at least previously it was Britt Baker, the star that they've always invested in from the very beginning. And I think they were kind of, because they were so invested in her, it was masking that it didn't really matter that she was champion. They were just invested in her. They'd put all that time into getting her ready to win it. And then they tried to put a lot of stock into all of her challenges. I don't necessarily think... Either Tony Storm or Thunder Rosa have particularly had matches of late that you can hang your hat on that suggest that, well, so Tony Storm's on the run of her likes. So you've got to put the belt on her while she's white hot or anything. That's not happening. But I do think that a title change here um, will maybe just give them another chance to rebuild the division, uh, like the latest attempt at a fresh start. I will say this for Storm. I don't think her matches have been outstanding, but she is definitely coming across like a star. You were getting the benefit of somebody that's had a lot of huge, huge mainstream wrestling exposure over the years, getting to do what a lot of people have been angry that she's not been able to do enough of. You know, especially like, I know she only had like a month or two on the main roster, but it was looking pretty bleak, wasn't it? Doing all the custard pie stuff with Charlotte and that. So yeah, I, I, I just don't think, from what I'm seeing of the way they presented Thunder Rosa, I'm not seeing that they've even got a long-term plan for So they might just strike while they're on top with Tony Storm. And it'll feel, it will feel like a shock. It'll scan as a yeah, shock because yeah. AEW don't, to be fair to them, with the exception of the TNT title, they don't piss around with belts. And it does, like, you, you're supposed to almost, like, half see it coming when a title's going to change hands. But what that means is every now and then you get the benefit from a shock. I was going to say, they're going to have to try and quickly get the belt on a few people before Sasha Bosters or whatever her name's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can completely see this going the same way. At this point, every vibe I get from Thunder Rosa and AEW is that the relationship is not particularly great. They've never once, like from literally day one of the reign, when the green card stuff, remember that? Mm. Was like, oh, yeah. goodness, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. They've had no ideas, no care. It just felt like we kind of have to do it now. Um, we wanted Rosa to be hotter than she was heading into the cage match and the title win. Maybe you should have booked her more prominently um, or made the storyline an actual thing instead of just pretending it was a story when, it, in fact, it was just a great match that you'd only briefly touched upon. We know, or we've um, heard... 
that um, Thunder Rosa is incredibly frustrated. Um, you can kind of see why she's been booked as an afterthought. This frustration, unfortunately, is manifested in fairly unprofessional behaviour on television. Um, but at the same time, she had that cracker with Dave mm. in the pay-per-view, so it just hasn't worked, and Tony Storm is a star, and you can see her every week recovering what she once was as a wrestler. Um, I think Tony Storm's going over. Um, not only that, but if they didn't want um, Tony Storm to go over, they certainly don't want her to lose either. Mm. So it just feels like either finally, belatedly, going to put everything behind Tony Storm, uh, sorry, Thunder Rosa, um, or they've just decided just do it with Tony Storm now. That was the plan anyway. She's one of the best ones we've got. Just bloody get on with it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Can Orange Cassidy, Michael Sidgwick, no. defeat... Uh, defeat... I'm going to get it out anyway. Defeat Will Ospreay, but... Will he have a bloody good time doing it? Trying to, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. We've said several times at this point, it's the spiritual sequel to the pack match. You're going to see even more from Cassidy because the, the idea of him doing some cool stuff was a novelty back then. It sure isn't anymore. So this is going to be Orange Cassidy. Um, the, the, the reasoning here is that he should be entering the performance of his life. The genius of the Orange Cassidy act is that he's a very, very clever human being and he's so good at just giving you one little thing that you thought this one-dimensional, albeit very funny gag, kind of, I know Hamlet disagrees, but if you, from my perspective, from the crowd perspective, every time he'll do something a little bit new and think, oh, you are really, really clever at this. So this match is going to be great. I just wish it wasn't tacked on to some bizarre, convoluted, um, anti-deft <laughs> storytelling with Rapongi Vice and Best Friends and Chaos and United Empire and all this, because... One of the reasons why I think they've done it, but not really because they haven't explored enough of this at all, is that the, these guys are natural rivals. Will Ospreay, I think it was in 2019, was like sort of, oh, he's going to miss WrestleMania weekend. What a shame for Ospreay. If you don't think he's a thick twat, he's vile because <laughs> he's going to make bank. He's one of the most in-demand wrestlers on the planet. He's going to be working multiple shows um, over the weekend, but unfortunately he's got a really bad neck injury too. Days later, he's stateside working this raft of absolutely incredible matches. What did he say when he sold his neck? Ah, my f***ing neck, mate! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what he said. 
<laughs> but, right. Making more work for myself. <laughs> Eventually, last year, it all caught up with them. And it's one of those, like, sort of, listen to everyone who's ever watched wrestling and isn't thick for a long time because they will always be proven right in the end. Everyone said, calm down, Will. <laughs> You're going to badly hurt your neck if you maintain this ring style and this schedule and all the rest of it. Funnily enough, he got a really bad neck injury and he had to take some time off. He's come back seemingly better than ever. But if you compare, if you contrast rather, that Will Ospreay, the just stupid determination to be the very best, right? With Orange Caster, he barely tries. And it's such an organic, natural rivalry there. Will Ospreay should be fuming that someone disrespects the sport that he breaks his body for, even though he's the idiot in this scenario, very much so. From his character's point of view, he should be seething that someone like Orange Cassidy is very casual and can be a star on national television without taking it seriously. Will Ospreay... Hope for the world title. Yeah. Will Ospreay should be foaming at the existence of Orange Cassidy and understand why he wasn't given a microphone, but he should have been given a microphone to express these sentiments and to build an actual match to make use of this really sort of organic and clever dynamic. Match should be incredible. Yeah, can't wait for this one. Um, it certainly isn't... I don't think it is what people imagined when they started putting their pairs together, but it's the place you should have gone to, because we've talked about this before. There's a time and a place for some mirror matches, but people make the mistake of making an entire card of mirror matches, and you really can't do that. Ideally, you want one or two, mm. because you want to manifest that dream match that... It, you, it would have been Austin Goldberg once upon a time, for example, and it was certainly Omega Brian until AEW just made it so. Um, some matches, and what would have been Brian and ZSJ, uh, the contrasts are better. The contra- like the con- and typically that's like always the case in terms of execution as well. Um, we, MJF and Tanahashi would have been great had it not been for whatever's going on with MJF, who I think, by the way, because there's no Probably else was going to work, Tanner, because... No, no, Punk was always going to yeah. work, Tanner. What was MJF going to do? Well, incidentally, I think he's going to be on the show. I think he's going to gay he's, crash it or something. Yeah, he uh, hates New Japan, and it's part of his gimmick. Well, you know, obviously we know him to be this like student of the game, but he's, uh, yeah, the way he Naito? That work? I don't know. You, you have more knowledge about this than me. Um, MJF has famously hates spot monkeys who are marks themselves and chase a cheap pop, and maybe there's a hint in the... Uh, don't recklessly drop people on their heads in a shoot promo because Naito's done that to Ibushi several times in controversial fashion. I think they might have announced it. I don't think they'll do anything impromptu on I think no, no, I just no, think no. he ruins something. I think he appears, ruins something, and leaves, and it's something that everybody... Like, just to make I don't it think he necessarily costs someone a match now. No, yeah, not just, particularly. Yeah, just, I think he's yeah. just he's a real like piece of garbage, and it's like ruins uh, something the fans were really into or something like that, but it becomes this awesome, hot talking point as a result. Um... Osprey Orange Cassidy is a great opposites attract match. It's it just for all the reasons Cedric outlined. It just simply cannot fail. Um, they're both too good at this. I'm a, I'm not the biggest fan of Orange Cassidy, but I certainly have been since he's come back because I was just sick of him. And it's just nice. It was nice yeah, to have him go I away agree. for a little bit and have him come back. So the act, like it's the proof of the act, really, because it feels fresh. It's my favorite run of this. I was just getting a bit sick of him. Uh, give me six. Twenty years later, he hasn't even become the character yet. I mean, I'm just a bit sick of Orange Cassidy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> six, six more weeks, I'm gonna be bored of it again. No way, he's put his hands in his pockets. God, shut up. <laughs> Best thing he's ever done in AW was have that kicking contest with Sting. That was even better than the pack. Sting going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that? <laughs> Absolutely nailed that. Like a wrestling company had no right to be that funny. Um, Osprey's a perfect foil for Orange Cassidy's shtick, but Osprey wins. Yeah, for the, for the good. The uh, United States Championship. I was going to say, no title change there for the uh, <laughs> IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. All left a bloody belt in Japan. Um, but there has to be a title change in the next God, one. God, oh, Vic. <laughs> I don't know why he's being Barrett now. <laughs> oh, Vic. I'm in the wrong bloody show. Anyone who wants to donate to a GoFundMe so I can pay the postage to get a belt ship, it's real bloody expensive. <laughs> You're not insure that belt, will you? <laughs> Gotta get delivered by van. So no, no title change in that match, but there has to be one in the next match we're gonna talk about, Hamford. Um it's the three-way winner takes all tag team match. You've got the Ring of Honor tag team champions, FTR, you've got the IWGP tag team champions, the United Empire, represented by Gray O'Connor and Jeff Cobb, and you've got Rapongi Vice. Uh FTR. Yes. Pinning uh Rapongi Vice. Because What, but they're such good friends. 
because this is one where (laughs) Tony Khan has struck the right deal to get as many belts as possible on FTR. I feel certain, I know I've like already tweeted this, but I feel certain this must be going to a winner-take-all match with the Young Bucks. Must be. Like we're on ones each now. They both can have sets of belts. FTR have just said it. They want they want the lot. Winner take all, two out of three falls, main event of a pay-per-view. Yeah. That's like it's it's the when's all out. Uh, when's all out? September. September. It's Day the, after Clash at the Castle. It's the all out main event for me. Like it's the the Young Bucks have wanted to make tag team wrestling main event worthy. And there's been a couple of times where the story has actually justified it. This would definitely be one of them. It's FTR's year. I think everybody can agree on that. The belts have ended up where they, you know, all the stars have aligned for that. So I think what you do here is you just, it's politically safe for them to beat Rapongi Vice. If anything, I feel Rapongi Vice have been strengthened to take a fall here because then New Japan's IWP tag champions aren't taking a loss to lose their belts and eventually you get them wherever you need to be. So just because the politics are all lined up, it doesn't mean that the match can't be good too. I don't know. Three-way tags are they're hit and miss. You know, it all very much depends on how... Unless they're on Monday Night Raw. Well, yeah. like <laughs> Which they hit apparently every time. It's all... I think I think this will be fine, but it's all absolutely down to how much um, thought is given to what the wrestlers that like aren't involved are doing. Mm. Don't want to be watching... Like, FTR's formula doesn't work as well in multi-team tag matches because the whole point is it... Like, you can't cut the ring in half when there's more wrestlers around. The whole point <laughs> is you're cutting it off from two people. So it's really hard then to apply that formula when there's loads of other people buzzing around. What they can do really well is like chase a pinfall or like capture an opportunity with which to get the win. Like somebody has run into them and you can just like, they've got this like telepathy where it's like big rig now or something like that because the body's run towards us and I know that you're there and you know that he's there. So I can only hope that like this gets a really, really hot finishing stretch because I've got like a few concerns about the quality of the body of the match it's FTR like I should pay them more respect it's there it is their year yeah. but I just this might not get good but when it does I think it'll it'll be great I would if I was uh, Khan and Ghetto think very seriously about putting this early because there's a raft of multi-man matches uh, or four ways or you know tags multi-man tags trios at some point, it's going to become a bit of a deadening blur seeing so many moves. And given FTR's particular style, Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb, and like Trent's really great, but he's still not as spectacular as a Harumu or a Derby or a Nick Jackson. Was, Matt Jackson's amazing at storytelling and selling. I, just, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just love Nick Jackson going wild. I just do. I think that if this follows too many, like, pack Nick Jackson, uh, like Shingo Derby stuff, and then you get oh, there's loads of moves, but they're not quite as cool as the moves we saw earlier. Yeah. I think you might get a muted reaction. Um, so I would put this on very early if it stands a chance of reaching its potential. It's one of those where this could be like three and a half to four and a half, and you just don't know where it lands. Um, going early should be really great. Um, FTR. Why spend that much time? Unless they want to do something in New Japan, which would be great for AEW because that just eliminates another act from the equation for a while that you don't have to book. Um, maybe you could put it on O'Connor and Cobb for like a big shock of... It would set a great precedent, and Ghetto should know all about this. Ghetto is the great precedent center, uh, precedent setter. Mm-hmm. Zack Sabre Jr. wins the New Japan Cup by tapping out clean all the hunks and all the baby faces. Okada wins the world title in 2012 and everyone's minds explodes. Um, new debutants, Kenta and John Moxley, go on respective tears throughout the respective blocks and go undefeated for like four or five. Big, shocking, bold booking things. If there's a big, bold booking moment like this and um, FTR have to go to Japan on the back of it, they want their legacy, yeah, so they might actually do mm-hmm. this. Just a month, just a month. Set the precedent that a New Japan or an AEW guy can take one of the respective titles back to the other promotion, and then next year, when we come to preview it again, we will say something to the effect of, remember when Okan and Cobb took the ROH titles and FTR had that mm-hmm. mid-match in Japan with them? That could happen again when it's, you know, Punk versus Okada or Danielson versus Okada, please. Mm. Cut to Rocky Romero politicking his way to holding up all the belts. I did it! My show! <laughs> I think he's on this as like a thank you because he was very much integral yeah. to making this relationship happen. Mm, so and he'll probably happily take a fall, you would assume. Oh, why? Well, I just so to like, get like a nice four stars on the card. Four <laughs> stars on the card. 
sort of surreal match I want to about talk three to. in this match <laughs> surreal match I want to talk to you about next Sige because it's a match that's mouth-watering in prospect and then I'm like oh, there's a belt involved because <laughs> they put this they create this all-Atlantic championship they've got this mad four-way Pack and Malachi Black and Miro and Tomohiro Ishii all in there together but obviously can pair off very nicely and what have you and they've got the inaugural All-Atlantic champion to be crowned who do you think it's going to be but it, it, you said this yourself. The first, thing, the first thing I saw you talking about this was like, this doesn't need a belt. This doesn't need a belt. Um, it's going to be incredible. I will delve into why I think it's going to be incredible momentarily. But I've written and said something to the effect of this sentiment quite a lot. I do not, or before he returned from injury, I did not envy Tony Khan one goddamn bit when Miro went down injured and had lost the TNT title. So I'm thinking, right... Can't just go for the TNT again. You probably want more people in that picture holding that title to try and get them over, and you can't have the same thing over and over again. It's boring. Nor is Miro your big four PPV headliner. He just isn't. He's just below it. Yeah. He's just below it, but I don't think he's quite that standard. I'm happy to be proven wrong in the next two or three years, by the way, but at present, I just don't quite think he's there. So what do you do with him? And I'm thinking Tony Khan has been... He has all every night is sleepless, but he's had a few <laughs> during those sleepless nights. He's probably thinking, oh, What the fuck do I do with Miro? I can't do the same thing again, can't put him at the next level. Certainly don't want to relegate him because he's awesome. Mm. What the fuck do I do? I know what I'll do. I will just create a new tertiary title. That doesn't really mean anything because it can, it's like a cheap ploy to keep someone over at the champion level. So I don't like that. He's basically just. He's he's going to repeat the TNT title reign, except it's a lesser title. It's rinse and repeat. I don't like it, but this match is going to be awesome. It's inspired Tony Khan Buchan, where Tony Khan Buchan increasingly feels a little bit like too way too cute and overcomplicated for its own good. But he remains incredible. That is, you team with him, you go in the ring with him, and he just can put things together. He's a great matchmaker. He really is. Probably a better matchmaker than a booker at this point, because there is a bit of a difference. This is like two awesome matches at the same time. Mm. This is a machismo-drenched, strong-style hoss fight with two incredibly animated guys with short, stout physiques who are stupidly intense and like very theatrical in the best possible way. And then on the other side of the ring, you've got one of the very best state-of-the-art super indie matches you'll ever likely to see mm. with Malachi Black and Pac. How they... So I will permit... Uh, you know... Ishii and uh, Miro are selling on the outside. Great, because you get a state-of-the-art match. And then when Pac and Malachi sell on the outside, great, because we get the hoss fight. Like, two four-and-a-half-star matches in one match. This could be like nine stars, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And then when you see Miro and Pac do things together, it's going to be awesome as well. I just think this should be a masterpiece. Generally, this could be absolutely incredible, like way better than anyone even reasonably expects. I've got a fantasy book and spot Miro wins. I'll tweet this because it's so do- damn cool. Ishii, for five brilliant seconds before he realizes he can't withstand it, is going to no sell the mist. Um, mist? I oh thought he was going to no sell the black mass. And then, like, I thought he was going to take it, appear to have survived it, have Malachi Black be like, oh my god, he's got even more magical powers than me. And then have, say, a mirror or pack, like, spear Malachi Black out of the way. And then Ishii just crumbles to the floor. And he's been t- he has actually been taken out by it, but he appeared in a split second to to be fine. That's the fun you can have with it. It's really nice to have somebody different added to this mix. And I think we've got two with Ishii and Miro. I'm pretty exhausted and fatigued with Death Triangle, House of Black stuff. Um, I think it was in December last year. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, I would consider this match, for all the reasons you've discussed there, the title, the fact that it's a four-way, the fact that it's got this fairly tired feud wrapped into it, it's kind of like the best-case scenario version of a worst-case scenario. There's a lot of things that shouldn't work for this, but the combination, as we saw from the... Like, this was... AEW has a lot of tournaments, and plenty of them have been predictable. Does it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> plenty of them have been predictable, but there was no match more predictable than this when you first saw those graphics. Yes. It just, as four ways go, it just made so much sense. <laughs> Ethan Page. <laughs> uh, you think Miro wins as well? Yes. I can't really disagree. I think, you know, I can understand why you might put it on someone like Malachi Black, but... A returning Miro. Why <laughs> not have... And it doesn't really work because it's more back-related, but Pac and Miro put their put game over in the rings of Saturn on Tomohiro Ishii and he just doesn't. So 
There you go, I've got one. You've had, both had far better no-sells, but so you don't think that Malachi Black's going to win the All-Atlantic Championships? He's not going to win the Championships. He's not going to use uh, shoulder shackles. Not even, not even one shoulder shackles. I think there might be a debut of uh, CJ Perry. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> 50% WCPW again there. Tomohiro Ishii. Will you get over it? Tomohiro Ishii. Will you, uh, yeah, will you seriously get over it? Tomohiro Ishii. I was security for, security for when we had him. What a pointless thing that is. Careful, lads. If you're trying to attack Tomohiro Ishii, that six foot three gangly lad with glasses might come near you. Let's talk about the uh, the other four-way. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Kazuchika Okada, Hangman Page, Adam Cole, and the champion Jay White. They got there eventually. Yeah, in contrast, it's like a worst-case scenario of a... Slightly less worst case scenario. It's just not good. Um, I think the match will be tremendous. I do. It's 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 probably like a lazy pundit thing to say that all of these wrestlers all in one match. It can't go wrong. It, it can. It really genuinely can. Like the the. It doesn't matter that Okada is this like legendary iconic figure that a bunch of people might not have even seen. You know, he's appeared on the Go Home Dynamite. In his jeans and t-shirts, they were very brief running. You know that that's not, it's a bit like Zack Saber Junior doing and saying nothing. It's not really the sales pitch of what this wrestler is, right? But what Kazuchika Okada is is this incredibly methodical wrestler in the first ten minutes of a singles match, maybe first fifteen minutes of a singles match, who becomes kind of an unstoppable force for the remainder of it. And whatever you've got, he's got something better. He's got a counter for it. He's got more gas in the tank. He's got more lethal moves to use on you. That plays brilliantly, potentially, into a fatal, into I keep saying a fatal four-way, WWE parlance, into a four-way match because he's got to do it over and over again on all of these guys. And just when he thinks he's got control of a situation, whether that be literal or otherwise, with his risk control for the Rainmaker, he's got somebody else to worry about. So Okada should have no trouble, but there's going to be people interacting. Similarly, you've got Hangman Page, a guy that is trying to find form again, having lost the world title, who is winning these singles matches, but has now got to constantly look over his shoulder. And then you've got the J.Y. Adam Cole ingredient, which is going to get really WWE, and one of them's going to go for a pinfall, and that's going to be like, what are you doing going for the pinfall? Why are you trying to stop me going for the pinfall? I thought we were friends. And it's just so tired and ancient and fake. And then, I don't know, Hangman Page is going to run into Jay White's back, and Jay White's going to bumble into Adam Cole, and Cole's like, what did you hit me for? And Jay White's like, I didn't hit you, he pushed me, and he's like, I'm not going to... Do the accent, to- he do, I would say it. What did you do there for? There you go. Like, I'm not going to choose to listen to you. (laughs) And then that's going to break down and, like, there's going to be some cool tandem offense between Page and Okada because they would be great dream opponents but kind of a great dream tag team when you think about them as well. Uh, So all of this will be good from an action and in-ring point of view, but I'm really genuinely quite worried that I don't think the emotional investment is going to be there. And that belt is not as valuable as it once was. Not only has it not been booked that well over the past couple of years, um, you know, they put it onto Jay White, uh, two weeks ago, they could easily switch it back to a card. They could switch mm. back to any of them, quite honestly. And there would have been a time where that would have been fairly unthinkable. You know, a Gato does do his shocks for sure, but like you just do a two week switch just to make it make sense on an AW pay per view. Could easily switch it. I think they will. I think they'll switch it to a card, but only because I've tried to make something that I'm emotionally invested out of a match that I'm not, which I said it on the Dynamite preview. The return of Kenny Omega on this show, I think, is perfectly pitched for a number of reasons. The fact he's not wrestling. It's a big disappointment to everybody, but at least he's been gone. At least he isn't somebody that you would have expected. So Kenny Omega being a part of the first Forbidden Door show, when he is such a big part of why a show like this even exists. He's a part of, he was going to be a part of this Ring of Honor New Japan one in 2019 before AEW was formed. You know, like he was such a glue between all yeah. of us. So him appearing for the first time in ages to an enormous huge pop would, as a babyface, because people have missed him, would be one of the moments of the show. Like categorically mm. the <coughs> moments. If it's a, face-to-face with Okada. Tony Khan gets his first taste of the match. He, I'm sure, must want a book. He must want Okada Omega in an AEW ring or in a show that he's promoting. He must want it. So he gets to do a stare down and Page and Cole, like uh, like Okada's his ex and there is sex. You know, that, that's what he's doing now. These are the two feuds that you want Kenny Omega to come back and revisit. Mm. Is he now going to forge a bond of mutual respect with Hangman Page again? Is he going to feud with Adam Cole over the elite, etc.? Really well placed for that to work, but I'm kind of trying to dream it into existence because I'm not that interested in what they're showing me. Before I get your thoughts on that, how do you space this out on the card? I assume you're you're booking the AW interim title match main event. Yes, 
So how do you space that out with something like that, especially if you've got the return of Kenny Omega with it? That's a fascinating question because Ghetto and Tony Khan have got divergent philosophies on how a sequence a card. Uh, Ghetto, no match is longer than the next. Constantly build and build in stakes, importance, match length, so that the crowd literally never once dips. Tony Khan, it's more like Vince, where it's like, uh, if this match doesn't quite get the reaction that it could if it was better positioned, you would rather just make sure the big matches get the most noise. It's weird. I don't like it. It's foolproof. New Japan, peak New Japan formula is goddamn foolproof. Um, so I don't know why he doesn't do it, but it's going to be interesting to see who wins. Tony Khan's going to win. Like, <laughs> yes. Dave, in the, uh, he's a savvy operator. Tony Khan gets grief for like being oh, I have to sign you I have to sign you I can't not sign you I have to get you on the show very sentimental not ruthless but he's a savvy operator he's got the best out of this in terms of the profile AEW looks much better coming out of it New Japan's barely been featured um, so I reckon it's going to be less ghetto more Tony Khan and this is probably going to go uh, I reckon they might try and repeat the sting trick from Revolution and put that f- four-on-four match in the semi-final. 12 minutes, don't fuck about. If this crowd is exhausted, get them back up within two minutes, which you will, but don't give them too much so that they get ruined for Moxley Tanahashi. And who do you think wins the the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship? I think the match will be better than the WWE cliche pitched by Hamlet, though I can understand his mindset because I've been very down on AEW as well. I do worry that Adam Cole just has regressed or just hasn't moved on from the WWE tropes. Page is the one that makes me think that if they do do this kind of spot, Hangman Page will, when they're all sitting down to put the match together, without saying the quiet part loud of, that's lame WWE crap, he could say, (laughs) oh, well, what if we play with that stupid idea that you just (laughs) that we've seen a million times. I think, however... Despite being down on this show, you know the old uh, Arctic Monkeys speech where he's like coked off his tits and he's like, that rock and roll, eh? that rock and roll. <laughs> I think after this match, I'm going to be going, that's Tony Khan. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Might go for a way away for a while. <laughs> and the muck, is that what he says? Yeah. But you can never count it out. That's Tony Khan. Jay White's going to be class in this match, you know. He's such a squippy little stalling bastard. Such a great little. You here for you weren't here for Squippy, were you? Squippy. What do you think Squippy means? It's probably cheating now. He said Jay White, but I think like a little ratty sort of. There you go. Yeah, it yeah. deserves a purpose. Squippy, like Jay Wright. He's a Jay White. Slide on the No, 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 no. My time. My time. My time. He's gonna be the guy who's like stealing the pins and like dragging legs out. He's gonna be like expending no energy. Like I think Jay White. <laughs> Jay White in a four-way is actually like, I know why you've done this, and it's not just a political compromise that's ruined what could have been something genuinely special. <laughs> this is going to be a four-and-a-half-star match that I don't really care about. Jay White retains? I think, yes, and I think Cole takes the fall. I had, I, a card of winning, by the way, was mainly just because I, in my head... You want your fantasy booking for Omega? <laughs> yes. Also, I think like him going into G1 as champion. Like, thinking about, like, the G1 coming up from a New Japan point of view. Like, I, th- I could see him as champion rather than Jay White for those blocks. But, you know, you can do either. I mean, yeah, and I just had a great thought, by the way. You know, you're like, this show's not very New Japan for a New Japan crossover show. I don't know where you'd put it. You can't put it on this show. There's already enough bloody madness going on. And by Dynamite, it, you've got to move on to Blood and Guts and stuff. But I really like uh, my brief interactions with New Japan, the press conferences, and Jeff, Jay, you're mentioning Jay White there has made me think of it. So just put them full length on the YouTube channel or something because it's just such a brilliant platform. YouTube's got the bandwidth if you have those, plus whatever Tony Khan does in the media scrum after the fact. Oh, no. <laughs> you've got to have a lot six hours for that. Well, it's Tuesday. We haven't <laughs> got to bed yet. I first started watching... Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling with the great Antonio Inoki. Yes. <laughs> Founded it, and oh my gosh. Dave, Dave, was that a, Dave, was that in the Sunshine Network in uh, the Jacksonville <laughs> region? I'm trying to remember. You check that for me. No, it's fine. You check it on your phone. Wait, wait, guys. Jesus Christ, mate. 
Uh, uh, I like wrestling. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when even I was like, all right, mate, calm down. Oh my god. Uh, finally, John Moxley, Hiroshi Tanahashi, main event siege for the interim AW World Championship. Before you say who you think is going to win, do you think there's, uh, it sounds very WWE as I say this, but do you think there's a moment afterwards with Punk coming out or being in and around this whatsoever? Punk should be the special guest commentator. I was going to say ref for a split to get second. The, to, I was like, what's happened? Just for no other reason than it makes perfect sense for him to be there. Get the United Centre, huge pep. Of course. He's yeah. going to be like, adding gravitas to the interim title, which Punk can really put over by saying, like, you know, these guys are champions. I will feel like I... He's so good that if on commentary, he could say something to the effect of... Because he's good. He's got no BS detector as well. He could say something... Sure. <laughs> he could say something... <laughs> He could say something to the effect of, look, I know people have got problems with interim titles and they might think that they're keeping the belt warm for me, that they're less of a champion compared to me. This match is so great and these guys are so good that I'm going to feel like less of a champion sat at home while they have this title. He could really make sense of a terrible situation. Get the huge pep, do the huge showdown. Uh, This match, Mox is going to win. Um, It should be great. There's various spots and bits I've got planned in my head, which means I must care about it. Like King Kong Lariat attempt, sling blade counter. Still, like, there's loads they can do. Moxley, like selling a dragon screw, should be exceptional. I want Tanner. This is really forbidden door stuff. Like, oh, I did not expect to see this company do something in this company's context. That really feels verboten. <laughs> Don't know why I've dropped that. I want Tanner to go f- run the razor and go coast to coast. That doesn't really happen in New Japan at all. But if that happens in Chicago, which is, you know, like a big, violent, blood, like, bloodthirsty city, he goes coast to coast. It feels like that. That's forbidden. And Tanner would love to sell blood like that, I imagine. He'd be absolutely incredible at it. And then he can do his big sort of false finish when caked in the red stuff. Yeah. I just want to see Tanahashi bleed <laughs> for my own what? sick pleasure. For you, if that was you, say you were in the United Center and maybe you'd, I don't know, maybe written the words on your chest, uh, having come directly from the USC event, what noise would you make as they made the entrance if you wanted to really exemplify that? <laughs> <laughs> Follow that amplet. I refuse to. Tanahashi bleeding is so great because that man sells like being out of gas better than almost anybody I've ever seen. I think you mentioned on the Dynamite podcast, Sage, the older he's gotten, the more that's become such a key element to his, like his babyface arsenal as a worker, is that when he's out of gas, you are, like, you would give him all of your energy and life source through the screen if you could, because he's just, he wills you into, like, helping him out. Him, like, the draining of his energy through blood, the visual use of it is, like, having nothing left in his body with which to fight John Moxley. It's such a perfect way for him to either pass out in the, like, bulldog choke or just absorb, a, you know, the, like, the death rider, one too many. I've just considered if John Moxley enters to his New Japan music for the night. And, uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, Trunks all, Moxley was in, oh, my God. Like, if Shooter's successful earlier on the night, he joins him, you know, out for the end. Well, when Kenny Omega challenges a card, he comes out of the devil's sky, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, all joking aside, this is stuff you wanted to think about once upon a time. Uh, rather, rather than, like, you know, how can Sting get along with, <laughs> with Hiromu Takahashi? How can Rapongi Vice and FDR <laughs> coexist? Well, there was other stuff that, like... The weird tag teams explode? Like, what's going <laughs> on? Uh, yeah, Moxley to win. I have seen uh, a bit of discussion online about Tanahashi winning the title because that's got some sort of... Well, it's like a good Forbidden Door hangover that New Japan guy is taking the interim title. But it's not ideal, is it, that like a guy can't be around to defend his title, so they make an interim one, and then the guy wins the interim one, and then can't be around to defend his title because he's wrestling in the G1 in Japan. It's like, we're going to make an interim interim title, and that person's going <laughs> to fight this one. Like, so it's kind of got to be Moxley for those reasons. And a bit like on the qualifier on Dynamite between Malachi Black uh, and... who Penta. Uh, yeah, Penta. I think the trick here will be in achieving something special when... The result feels feels obvious to me. Exactly. And yet yeah. Tanahashi is the perfect wrestler to make you doubt that. Like, you know, clinch. Mox wins. Yeah. 
Can't wait for this. Really, really excited for it. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know your predictions. Uh, everything about this show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Coming All Elite, the rise of AEW. Sidgwick's brilliant book is still available right now at Amazon. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and the Daddy Boys will be back to Tomorrow, we're going to be previewing SmackDown. We're going to be previewing Rampage. And most importantly, we're going to be talking uh, about who the Brian Danielson replacement could well be in a lot more detail. Uh, and of course, if you subscribe to that, then as so long as this show doesn't go on too long, uh, mine and Hamlet's review of this show uh, will be coming out in Monday afternoon, probably. <laughs> no one knows. And why we will make sure we get Sidri. I know the last one we didn't do the, the review properly, but it was the bloody queen and all that nonsense. We will get Sidri's thoughts in detail about the show at some point next week as well. But I'm sure he's going to be writing all about it at whatculture.com. Yeah. It's Dynamite Day. I was up at four. I know. It's ridiculous. Right. He was alone. This has been the Forbidden Door Preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Oh, my God. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.